his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, this week I am inside the International Institute in South City with Blake Hamilton. He is the Senior Vice President of Talent, Development, and Advocacy here. Blake it's a pleasure to be here. I am so excited to learn more about the International Institute. Well, thanks for coming by. We love uh, talking more about what we do and how we're working in this community to make St. Louis a better place for everybody. Well, as we were walking through the hallways, you were telling me a little bit about this building. The first building on this site was actually built in the late 1800s. This was uh, the former home of the Sisters of the Order of the Most Precious Blood, uh, who had a convent here on site before opening up St. Elizabeth's Academy here. Uh, in the subsequent decades, the the school closed down and they were seeking other uh, location and vacated this site. They were seeking another organization that could that could move in here that was sort of similarly aligned with their mission of supporting young women in the city. Um, and we had we're working with a, a lot of new, new arriving Syrians uh, at that time, and uh, we were busting at the seams. And so the opportunity to be here uh, in this space to make it more of a community space to invite organizations and individuals. Uh, to, to be here in our space um, was really too much to pass up, and luckily the sisters thought that our mission really aligned with theirs, and we're very lucky to be able to secure this building and, and uh, move in in, in 20, uh, I believe it's 2015. This building, part of this building dates back to the 1800s, so there's a long history, and the International Institute, I believe, started in St. Louis not that long after that, a couple decades? No, it, was, it started here in 1919. Uh, at the same time, there were a lot of similar organizations cropping up nationwide, um, primarily in response to war brides, uh, women who were coming over to American service members at the conclusion of World War One, who were European and uh, didn't have language skills and didn't really know how to navigate a new culture. Women in this community started the International Institute as a method of supporting these women who were here in transition um, and getting them a solid base to grow and restart their lives here with their, their new families. And really that tradition continues to this day with the work that we do. Uh, some of the fundamental classes that they had at that time were English classes and culture classes. And those are things that still uh, exist to this day and are delivered by the International Institute. What's the process for people who are in need of relocating, they want to come to the United States, uh, they have refugee status or not, uh, what is the process by which they would land here? How would they get connected? How would you find them? So th that's a great question. Uh, there's a couple of different routes, right? Through the Refugee Resettlement Program, um, folks can uh, elect to go to a location maybe where they have a family member. So if they have a family member here, they might tell them, hey, come to St. Louis. Um, and then there's, there's folks that we call free cases, right? So we, when we think back to the more recent instances of uh, Ukrainians and Afghans who are fleeing war um, and the United States that we have the capacity to, to help these folks restart here 
um, and, and really communities stepped up to say that we were, we were able to welcome these individuals. And they didn't have family members or, or folks here, but they uh, really found opportunities here in St. Louis. The initial Afghan arrivals in 20, uh, 2021, um, we've seen several hundred other Afghans immigrate here who were initially resettled elsewhere, who, who've gotten that message and agree that, that St. Louis is a welcoming place. Well, it's got to be a difficult time for these people. They don't speak English, perhaps. Uh, they're coming from a war. Uh, they're in a new country they don't know anything about, maybe uh, a little bit overwhelmed by what we have here in America versus what they have in their country. So how, how do you get them acclimated and what's, what's that like? Sure. So, so the refugee resettlement system is very prescriptive in terms of the sets of services, but it's prescriptive uh, with a historical basis, uh, right? So over many years, the, the, this process has been refined, but critical elements of resettlement for any refugee coming into the community are cultural orientation, right? Um, and that's something that, that is ongoing, and we provide a lot of that in the first initial weeks, but there's life lessons that get learned in those weeks. But we, we in a classroom setting, we're trying to, to let folks know about applicable laws here in the United States and sort of culturally how this might differ from where they came from. And um, folks that are not coming necessarily from such emergency circumstances as those from Afghanistan or Ukraine have a little bit more of a longer uh, tail, you know, coming here. They get more uh, prior to arrival, uh, prior to arrival even in the United States, they're learning more about America, its laws and its culture. And we're kind of continuing that after they arrive here. Um, but it's, it's a process that takes a lot longer than sort of the federally designated 90 days of resettlement. That's why we've been able to construct myriad programs around that initial resettlement support to help folks in that long-term adjustment to life here in the U.S. Blake, there are a lot of countries in the world and they speak many, many languages. So here's my question. How many translators do you have? How does that work? Sure. You know, we, we have about 40 different grant programs that we operate. And so we, we for, for those different programs that are you know, centered on helping people with maybe navigate medical challenges or navigate um, finding employment, we want to make sure we have workers who speak the languages of those folks that are arriving. But there are so many languages and not enough people necessarily who speak those languages who could be hired into these roles. But where we can, we make every effort to hire staff that are speaking the languages of the clients that are arriving today. And that's always changing. But um, we, we, we want to make sure that we have staff that can provide service in language to those folks. But where we're not able to do that, we, we use our own interpretation and translation service because uh, we, we, we don't want to have folks to sort of think that they can get by on the limited English. We want to make sure the important information, important services we're offering is fully understood in their native language. You mentioned Ukrainians and uh, Afghans coming mm -hmm. uh, recently. What are some other countries maybe people wouldn't realize that we're getting an influx from here in St. Louis? Yeah, we, we have uh, continuing to get folks arrived from the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, from Somalia, and these are these are conflict zones that um, I think Americans maybe they might le less prevalent in the minds of many, but those are conflicts that have been ongoing for for, for decades now um, that are, are generating refugees at alarming rates, and and uh, we continue to see folks arriving from those countries. Um, we're still seeing a limited number of Syrians who are arriving who've been in refugee camps in Turkey for eight years at, at this point. Um, we're still seeing uh, refugees arrive from uh, Myanmar as well. Um, so there are many different groups that are arriving on an annual basis. 
Um, and, you know, many of them are historical. We've been working with uh, Somalis arriving in this community for a very long time and Congolese as well. So when they're arriving, um, it isn't necessarily that they're arriving to a community where things are so foreign to them. Uh, luckily, many of the folks that are arriving from these communities see uh, stores or, or community centers that are established that uh, they can get connected to to feel more at home. Um, and, you know, we're, we're lucky in St. Louis to have such representation. Uh, and you'll see that at Festival of Nations this weekend. We have um, 80 different countries and cultures represented at the festival. So there's, there really is something for, for everybody um, uh, here in, at the festival. Well, let's talk about the festival. Sure. Uh, I don't know how many years has it been going. Uh, tell me a little bit about how it got started and what the mission of it is and how you've seen it grow. Sure. Well, the original Festival of Nations was actually launched in 1934. Um, we called it Folk Fest then and had, uh, the, I believe, the initial iteration of it was actually at Kiel Auditorium. The, the modern version of this really existed and started in 2000, so we're actually celebrating our, our 23rd year in Tower Grove Park. Um, and really, this was really just started as a way for folks that wanted to share their culture with the community. Um, in that original version of it, people really dressed in their native um, garb. Um, and we, they, they had, of course, food, but also handicrafts from their culture. And so a lot of those things that were part of the original festival back in 1934 are still a part of the festival today. Is this a, a way to raise funds for the International Institute, or how does that work? Yeah, well, the, the Festival of Nations is really a, a way for us to celebrate the diversity in our community and really put that on display. Um, but, of course, it takes a lot to run that festival. It's uh, the largest multicultural festival in our region. Um, and so, really, for us, we, we, we aim to be able to recoup our costs, and hopefully we can make this a fundraiser for us. We want people who support the work, support multiculturalism in the community to come out and have a good time, and by doing that, they are supporting the work of the agency. And we've created more experiences for folks at the festival this year to get get involved and provide a little bit more support. We have uh, VIP experiences as well as family programming and health-focused programming um, that are ticketed aspects of the festival this year in hopes of being able to help us you know, raise a little bit more funds to uh, not just sustain the festival, but sustain our programming and continue to serve refugees and immigrants in the community. Your title is Senior Vice President of Talent Development and Advocacy. Yeah. What exactly does that mean? What do you do? <laughs> so uh, in my role as the Senior VP of Talent Development Advocacy, I actually oversee our education programming, our workforce programming, our immigration services, as well as our advocacy efforts. Um, so really a, a big component of, of how do we develop talent, a talent of the refugee and immigrant community that, that is here uh, through education, through employment training and, and access to work. That's a course, big way of doing that, um, but also that, that immigration piece. How can folks uh, reunify with their family members or maybe transition to a status that, that's more permanent here um, and, and feel that safety and begin to invest here in this community? Um, so really, we, we, the focus of our work is about providing that stability, that platform for people to take off from. Uh, we we want to be able to help individuals restart their lives here and really keep the American dream alive through immigrants that still believe that this is the best place for them and their family to be in order to maximize their opportunity and have a chance at a better life. Once they come here and they go through some of these programs, whether that's the English classes, computer classes, or what have you, uh, is there follow-up afterwards? 
when they're kind of out in the community? Do you, do you keep in touch with these people? Sure. So we have our, our programs are available to, to, to folks uh, over a very long period of time, you know, five, up to five years and in some cases beyond. Um, so, you know, we, we try to, to be there at every sort of stage uh, of, of, of folks adjustment here because it, it takes a long time. Right. Um, and people might need different uh, resources at different stages of their arrival. So we want to make sure that we have enough programming where somebody um, maybe who want uh, several years down the line wants to start their own business, that they can come here and get that starter loan from us, that we can provide that technical assistance to them in starting that business. So we really want to have sort of the tiered service approach that um, no matter the stage in their resettlement here, that we have something to offer. Do you have a pitch for St. Louis to get people to come here specifically? We talk about with the business community, some people, uh, you know, complain a little bit about the, uh, the reputation of crime downtown and that, those kinds of issues as a obstacle to getting people to, to move here. How is it with the immigrant population and how do you uh, sell them on St. Louis? Well, I mean, we, you know, what we have here in the International Institute is, is very is unique. Um, you know, we there are many different refugee resettlement agencies across the country, several hundred that that do that refugee resettlement piece. But to have an organization that doesn't just do the refugee resettlement piece, but can support immigrants over a longer period of time from a variety of backgrounds in so many ways, that's something that's unique to this community. Um, and I think what else is unique to this community is the welcoming attitude of many of the neighbors here. And I can tell you when we moved into this building, um, we had uh, a, a welcome letter that was given to us from the Neighborhood Association that said that, you know, we, we are welcoming you to, to our neighborhood here, a neighborhood that itself was built by the hands of immigrants, the, the Masons, uh, Italians, um, uh, Irish who, who built, literally built this neighborhood with their hands and that your presence here is for the continuation of that story. How do we sell people on it? Well, you know, the, the cost of living uh, is, is another major factor here and it's a reason why St. Louis and other sort of um, interior mid-sized cities across the country over the last decade or so have really rose to prominence when it comes to resettlement because the, the amount of support that a refugee gets um, is limited in scope and time, um, and it's the same amount of money whether you get resettled in San Francisco or St. Louis. Blake, tell me something that's new or that's coming up, maybe, future plans for the International Institute, something that people would want to hear about. Well, you know, the, the challenges that we... Um, see in the region are, aren't just immigrant issues when we talk about affordable housing um, as being sort of a, a limiting factor in our ability to welcome more folks. You know, we want to play a more active role in, in, in ensuring that there's more affordable housing here in, in our region that supports not just immigrants and refugees, but everybody who, who needs it. Um, you know, th those are places that we, we're, we're getting more involved in and also around advocacy for, for language access. Um, you know, the, the ability of folks to navigate the region and the resources really comes down to how accessible information is to them. And so whether they're living in the city or county, uh, to be able to read their tax bill in their language would be really great, or be able to get questions um, from City Hall, their county executive's office, answered in their language would be really great. So we're imploring our public institutions and private ones, for that matter, to consider how are they really supporting everybody in this community uh, and what they're doing to provide language access resources to folks um, who don't have English as a native language and uh, you know how can they again ensure that that all members of the community can take advantage of the wonderful resources we have. Blake Hamilton, Senior Vice President of Talent Development and Advocacy for the International Institute in the Tower Grove East neighborhood. 
Thanks so much for your time. It's been fascinating. Thank you. Thanks for stopping by. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 